So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. For the next few months, we're going to listen to God speak through Matthew to us in chapters 5 through 7 in this series we're calling Visible. So Matthew tells the true story of how God is gathering people into a family through Jesus. This family makes up what is called the kingdom of God. And the way to join this family is to turn away from any other king to follow the one true king, Jesus the Messiah. You might remember that the first public sermon by Jesus had a command and a reason for the command. He said in Matthew 4, 17, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or near. Like all of the gospel writers, Matthew shows that Jesus' entire life was a declaration of good news about this kingdom. And so, in his writing, Matthew includes this longer sermon by Jesus describing what type of people are in his kingdom. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is going to talk about a radically different way of living. It's a wonderful, brilliantly written sermon inspired by God Almighty to speak to us today. So this is how we're going to start the new year. And what we learn is that Christians are the visible expression of God's kingdom. And this is why we're calling it visible. Have you ever been to a place so beautiful that you love telling others about it? So recently, I took three days away for solitude and prayer. I went to Phoenix where I got to do some hiking. I love to hike, and one of the hikes was called Camelback. It was not a long-distance hike, but it was a hard hike up a steep hill. As I made my way to the top, I was moved by the beauty of this desert landscape. Then when I got to the top to look out over Phoenix, the beauty moved me to tears. And you know what I did? I told others. I called Jeannie to describe the rocky terrain with the reddish tan rocks and short prickly cactus and bushes. I just had to describe it to her. It was breathtaking. I hope that she'll get to see it someday. So in this passage, Jesus is describing in great detail what his followers are going to look like. And he calls them blessed to describe this nearly incomprehensible happiness for those who make the journey in the kingdom with him. So after my journey on my hike, I described a place to Jeannie that I hope she'll get to go. And what Jesus is doing here in this sermon is he's describing a people that Christians get to be. If you'll commit to listening to Jesus' teaching in this series, you'll get a picture in your mind of what his kingdom family looks like. And today, for our passage, what you'll learn is anyone can experience genuine soul-level happiness as Jesus' family in the kingdom of God. So this is the main idea. Again, anyone can experience genuine soul-level happiness as Jesus' family in the kingdom of God. So let's jump in. Look at Matthew 5, verse 1. So seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. I love how Eugene Peterson translates this verse in the message. He says, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. So at the birth of Jesus, God climbed down to meet with people, and here they are, climbing this mountain to meet and hear from God. Now, one important contextual point. The majority of the people listening to this sermon are religious. But the religious norm focused on the external, whereas Jesus is going to focus in this sermon on the heart, on the inside. And the people's response to his teaching was 
astonishment. I know you'll be astonished by at least part of this teaching. It will make you happy, mad, annoyed, restless, and hopefully inspired. So here's Jesus with his gathered crowd, eager to hear his description of the kingdom. And here's what it says, starting in verse 2. And he opened his mouth and said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. He's talking here to the poor and mourning and meek and hungry and merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted and reviled. These are the words that describe a people that most others would see as miserable and to be pitied. You would not choose this way of life, but most listening to Jesus live this way. You see, whereas the world believes this group should be miserable, Jesus says anyone whose life is this way will be blessed in his kingdom. They can live happily knowing that God is working all things for good. Rather than being pitied, they are to be congratulated because of God's response to their behavior or situation. We're all aware that this world is never going to be a perfect place to live, but I want you to believe that happiness can be experienced as a part of God's family. This is great news for anyone who is poor or mourning or meek or hungry or merciful, pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted, and the reviled. Now, I want you to imagine sitting there with Jesus on that hillside and hearing these words. Not one person would have imagined that any good could come to this group of people. Yet Jesus tells them that anyone can experience genuine soul-level happiness as a part of his family. And you'd ask, if you were there, how? Like, Jesus, are you ignoring our poverty, our mourning, our pain, our sorrow, our difficulty? And I can imagine people just getting up and walking away because they thought that this rabbi could offer them health and riches and power on earth. But this is clearly not what he's saying. Here's what Jesus does. He tells them that they can live happily knowing they're blessed as a part of his kingdom. He says, are you poor in spirit? You see, in the kingdom of God, you're blessed because you'll inherit the kingdom. The poor in spirit are those who are quite literally poor in this day and in our day, but it also applies to those whose inner person is worn down. This is for those who are suffocating in life, the depressed, the anxious, the people whose hearts are broken. In his kingdom, people can experience happiness knowing they will someday inherit the full reward of their salvation. This is eternity with God in the place where there is no more sin or suffering. You don't have to earn it, Jesus earns it for you. It is yours and you'll receive it if you're a part of the kingdom. Well, are you mourning? In the kingdom of God, you're blessed because you will be comforted. Now, this is the first time we see what's called a divine passive verb, you shall be. It means God is doing the work to comfort you. I, I can think of a few times I really mourned something and I lost a friend to a tragic death and I was so broken by it, I could hardly breathe. I didn't have the inner strength to comfort myself and I was totally dependent on God to comfort me. 
It still hurts when I think about it. But what Jesus is saying, that there will be a day when I will be totally comforted. And now this introduces one important theological idea. The benefit of being a part of this family means I get a taste of heaven on earth, but it will not be fully experienced until after I die and enter eternity. It is an already but not yet sense of life with God. God comforts us, but we will be totally comforted by God at the second coming of Jesus. Are you meek? In that day and in our own, meekness is considered weakness. But Jesus is saying the meek will inherit the earth. The psalmist says in 37:11, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. In view are not those who are submissive or mild or unassertive, but there are people who are made meek by being oppressed. They've been humbled but the injustice by the injustice of the Ngali. If this is you and you're part of the family, you're soon to realize a reward. Now, no one in this day would have thought it possible for the poor, the spirit, uh, the mourning, the meek to be happy, but Jesus says it's possible for those who join his band of followers. They can live with a smile on their faces knowing that there will be a day that, the, that uh, they'll receive the reward of their inheritance. Are you hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Now, these are the people who desire to be counted as right before God, but it also describes when a person aches with the desire to see the world work as God intended. You are blessed, Jesus says, because in God's kingdom, those who hunger and thirst will be satisfied. The hungry will get fed. The evil person will be punished. The broken will be restored. When this kingdom is fully established, there's no poor, no racism, no crime, no traffic jams, and you'll no longer have to pay for guacamole at Chipotle. Jesus looks out over this crowd with hopes that a smile will come across our faces because there will be a day when your deep soul-level ache for things to work as they should will be satisfied. And the list goes on. Are you merciful? You will receive mercy. Merciful embraces the characteristics of being generous and forgiving others and having compassion for the suffering and providing healing of every kind. Whereas the first four things that Jesus lists find their focus primarily in a state of mind or an attitude, this beatitude refers to the happiness of those who prove their place in God's kingdom by merciful acts towards others. And the opposite is true. If you lack mercy, you prove that you cannot be accounted among the blessed because anyone in the kingdom has been shown mercy by God and happily shows mercy to others. Are you pure in heart? You know that the world does not think a person who lives a morally upright life has any advantage. The world shouts, real happiness is found in licentious living. But in Jesus' kingdom, the pure in heart will see God. The pure in heart exhibit a single-minded devotion to God that flows out of an internal cleansing created by following Jesus. In our day, we might say, well, I'm a Christian. And that may or may not mean anything, but God sees the heart and we're and we have to internalize the commands of Jesus so that we can live merciful lives. Are you a peacemaker? Here Jesus describes a person's interpersonal relationships. Uh, the peacemakers are people who work for shalom or wholeness and harmony rather than strife and discord in all aspects of life. They're people who reconcile others to God. This is what the people and the kingdom are supposed to look like. He's describing them here, and each of us that are peacemakers will be called sons of God. Now, let me pause here and say that there's no doubt that Jesus is talking to some in the crowd who had no interest in becoming a part of his kingdom. For instance, there was a group called the Zealots listening on that day. This group, they were not peacemakers. In fact, they were revolutionaries who hoped through violence to bring the kingdom of God. 
They had a growing following because the poor and downtrodden could be so angry and want to punish others with force. They tried to prove themselves as loyal servants of God by force, but Jesus announces the kingdom entirely apart from human effort and indicates that the status as children of God is for those who live peaceably. In our day, peacemakers are rare. People are suffering and live angry with the compulsion to punish anyone who thinks that it's, uh, who they think it's their fault. But Jesus describes a different way of life with God. Peacemakers who trust that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. Are you a peacemaker? Does this describe you? And speaking of peacemakers, he goes on in verse 10 and 11 to ask these questions. Are you persecuted? Are you reviled? Do people utter all kinds of evils against you? This meant this might keep you from wanting to be a part of the kingdom Jesus is inviting you into. I know the feeling, because what he's saying is that if you are part of this kingdom, you will be reviled, you will be persecuted. And if you're the kind of person that never wants anyone to disagree with you, the kingdom of God is not for you, because the way of Jesus is countercultural. Wide is the road that leads to destruction, and narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. You will be reviled and persecuted and spoken harshly toward by those who choose not to surrender their lives to Jesus. But Jesus says that in his family, when this happens to you, you are still blessed. Why? Your reward is great in heaven. So this list is an inversion of the attitude of their world. It's an inversion of the general attitude of our world. This kingdom that Jesus describes counters humanity's self-centered, self-promoting pride and self-reliance, which invariably seeks personal security and survival above the good of others. Don't miss it. The kingdom of Jesus describes, the kingdom that he describes has people who experience happiness not because of what the world offers, but by what God offers in this life and the life to come. And the jostling truth is that nothing in this world can make us truly happy except God himself, whose blessings and promise of eternity is only for those whose people follow Jesus. None of what will make us truly happy can be earned on our own. Instead, the blessings of God are for those who join the way of Jesus the Christ. All that Jesus describes in this passage and the sections that follow are the blessings of those reconciled to God as a part of his kingdom. It's good news for the poor, the mourning, the meek, the merciful, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and those who, who want to live a countercultural, radical way of faith. And there's only one response for those of you who are not a part of the kingdom. Repent, turn away from all other gods, and surrender your life to Jesus. You're invited into this life. You're not too good to need it or too bad to receive it. Your life can be transformed from the inside out as a part of the family of God. I'm sorry if there are Christians around you whose life does not make you want to follow the way of Jesus, but it does not change the invitation of God through Jesus to you. Jesus was telling that message on that hillside that day to invite people to follow him. Everyone's invited. Everyone has an opportunity to experience this kind of happiness. Now, for those of you that are, are a part of the kingdom, be happy because you are blessed and you will receive your eternal reward after you die in the new heaven and new earth. In the weeks to come, we're gonna remain on this hillside with Jesus as he describes the benefit of those who join Jesus as the visible representation of God's blessing on this earth. So the question for you is this, 
Are you experiencing the happiness that Jesus says is yours if you are part of his family? If you've not yet crossed over the line of faith, then I just want to charge you with all the love I can give to join the way of Jesus, be reconciled to God, be a part of this family so that you can live a blessed life even when you're mourning or struggling or poor, whatever your life situation may be. You can be blessed and be happy with God knowing that you will just get a taste of heaven on earth, but there will be an eternal reward. For those of you that have already crossed over the line of faith, would you just thank God today that in Christ you can experience the blessing of happiness, no matter your earthly circumstance. So that's the message for today. Let's think on and pray about these things.